Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Hi, I'm Matt. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about connections. And there's two inspirations for this episode. The first one is attachment theory. And if you're, whether you're in the clinical world or you're just a lay person, attachment theory is so extremely important to understand relationships and how we relate to each other. Uh, Have you heard of attachment theory? I have not. So uh, on the Psychology in Seattle podcast, which I talk about often on here, there is a six section deep dive. I'm not even sure how many hours it is. Several, I mean. Hence, deep dive. Probably 12 hours or more because it's six parts. Um, It is, uh, they're all patron episodes, so you do have to be a patron to hear them, but you could be that for $5 a month. And trust me when I tell you that it is absolutely worth it, in particular, if you only just listen to the attachment theory. And attachment theory really is in a very brief and not nearly adequate summary is explaining how we attach, what kind of attachments we develop as we're young children, how we were parented, and then that goes on to model and um, define how we attach to other people as we grow up. And that attachment theory is continuum. It, It continues as we have different attachments throughout our life our attachment styles can change through tragedies and triumphs and sure so um basically if you're if you're mainly securely attached then imagine a child of two that is securely attached then if you put them in a room of toys they feel secure going around playing with the toys Because they know their parent or caregiver is there and they know they have a secure home base base to go back to. If you have a disorganized or, uh, I should totally know the other word, but insecure attachment style, then at some point you've had some kind of neglect or other situation where you've had to learn how to attach you may be preoccupied with attachment and very clingy as some people would say or you may uh, pretend like you don't need attachments at all in which case you're insecurely attached avoidant almost abandonment issues but not in that many words well i I i have abandonment issues but they're later in life so um as dr honda was explaining it's not just one or the other you're not securely attached or insecurely attached um you're attached Well, I would say, for example, for myself, I'm probably 70% securely attached and then probably 10% preoccupied attached, uh, uh, preoccupied in, you know, insecure attachment and probably 20% avoidant attachment where I've had attachment injuries and because of those, as I've gone on with life, I've been a little more hesitant to be vulnerable. I see. So, but for the most part, I still value and, and cherish my connections. So that's the first reason. The second reason is that I recently reconnected with an old friend. 
And I've done that throughout my life. I wouldn't say I've been the best at staying connected, but there's a particular friend of mine. You go out of your way many times to contact people you haven't spoken with in a long time. I do. I do. And, you know, I have different connections with different friends and we all connect in different ways. But this particular friend who I'm going to have remain nameless, but you know who you are. Um, I usually send a particular joke text to them. And it could have been a year that we haven't texted each other. And I generally will get the response back for the rest of the joke. Almost like you knew exactly what was coming is just by saying something. Even you haven't you haven't spoken in exactly a year. So if you guys haven't seen the Nutrigrain ad, if you just Google Nutrigrain ad, it's hilarious. And if I didn't think I'd get sued for copyright, I'd play it right now. But basically, this guy in the very beginning, they're they're working in an office, and this guy eats a Nutrigrain bar. And he's like, oh, yeah, I feel great. Oof. And then he, he runs around the office telling different people that he feels great. And there there's various different people that he runs into. Is this a commercial that actually made air? Or was it just... I feel like it had to have been Europe. Like, I don't think this would have aired in the United States. Yeah, I don't think it was ever aired in the United States. But whatever it is, it's fantastic. It's been around for, well, it has to be close to 20 years because... That's almost how long I've known this person, so. Yeah. Uh, but it's hilarious, so please Google it because it's great. And so I would be able to, that, that commercial is probably a minute and a half long, and at any point in the commercial with heavy dialogue, I could text this person a segment of that, and I would get the next line. The next line of dialogue would be <laughs> directly texted back. Yes. So uh, it's really wonderful to have connections like that where it can feel like, no matter how long it's been, you pick up right where you left off, even though you may not be in each other's lives every single day, that you're able to keep those connections. And it's it's hard, you know? Um, what's Well, maybe we should start with saying both of us grew up in this area in Washington, Western Washington, and we both joined the military and left for about 10 years apiece and then came back. And so I will get back into that a little bit later, but just so people kind of get where we're coming from. And actually never, I mean, I knew we had something in common there, but I never actually realized that is exactly <laughs> what we have in common. Uh, well, one of many things many we things, have in common. Many things, but, yeah. uh, so who would you say, or not necessarily, in, you know, a person, a name, but who would you say is your longest connection? How, what's the person you've been in contact and have remained Other in contact? Other than family. Other than family, yeah. I would have to say Andrew Rice is probably my closest connection and friend that I've had for the longest amount of time. Well, shout out to Continuous. Andrew. And when did you guys meet? Do we still keep in contact? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That we yeah. still are connected. Mm-hmm. When? Uh, mid-80s. Was mid, it? Mid to late 80s, I think. So probably. middle schoolish. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, he is the... The age of my brother, and they were in the same class. and uh, So they were two grades above so you? So, by proxy, I was indoctrinated into friendship with <laughs> all of my brother's friends because right. they hung out with my brother, and I guess I was cool enough. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, years and years have gone by, and we've kept in touch. And uh, he's an incredible person. 
He's pretty great. I I know him too, and I agree. He's pretty great. But so when we're talking about efforts to stay in touch, you know, we we both came back to the place where we grew up, or at least mostly grew up. For me, uh, the person that I've been in contact with the longest, I would have to say, is my dear friend Casey. However, her and I have had a decade when we haven't talked, and our connection is spotty um, for many different reasons, mostly not her fault, but... um, but that's been a difficult, difficult connection to make. But my second longest... I guess what I'm saying is that's still a connection. If it's only just like it had been that long and you finally connected. Mm-hmm. Well, we've known each other since elementary school, so probably second grade. Well, I have a friend that I've known since elementary school, but we got back in touch through Facebook mm-hmm. and chit-chatted. But I haven't heard from him in a long time since then. But, mm-hmm. but that, do you think you could... Reach out right now and say something and he would respond back? Not sure if he would respond back. So that's kind of the connection I'm talking so, yeah, about. But connection I, you know that someone would reply because... Well, not necessarily because I the last time... I Well, right. You feel like you if, if the stars aligned, you'd be able to go and sit down and have a beer or something. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but my more connected connection, longest connection is from, I mean, I very specifically remember the day I met Dana was the second, like the first day of the second quarter of the fifth grade, I moved back to Marysville. And the teacher asked me if I wanted to sit next to a boy or a girl. (laughs) And I said I wanted to sit next to a girl. And she's who I sat next to. And to this day, we do continue to talk. It's not often. I say maybe once every six months or a year. We get, but we actually get together, have dinner, have drinks, you know, and catch up. So I would say that's the longest, um, not necessarily my closest connection, but probably my longest close connection. Okay. That's not family. I just, um, I'm gonna attempt. Okay. Live. <laughs> I'm gonna try to uh, send a message to. Someone I am connected to from from second grade. Okay. So, I mean, we were friends for a very long time, and we drifted apart, but... Uh, we'll give it a try while we're talking. Let's see if he responds. Let's see if he responds. <laughs> so, my... Oh, I guess I can only wave, because he's not... Does it say if they're actually on Messenger? No, he's not on Messenger, because... Yeah, I guess I'll just send him a wave. Or post on his Facebook page. He might not be able to see it on uh, Messenger. Write something to Chris. Hey, Chris. (laughs) So the question is, with all the efforts it takes, you know, everybody gets into their busy lives and, you know, especially when you change jobs. That's a big one. Uh, Or you move. The effort to stay connected is incredible. I remember when I went off to the Army, I had my little address book, and everybody swore they were going to write. Did people say that to you? Yeah. We'll keep in touch. Oh, yeah. We're the best of friends. We'll always be in touch. Well, see, the military for me was was like other smart people's college experience. So. (laughs) 
That's what do you mean by that? Well, I didn't go to college. I joined the military. Mm-hmm. And so through my early 20s, I went through the whole uh, coming of age, really real adulthood for mm-hmm. people in America, I guess. And uh, that's what I imagine college was like for other people. Me being in the military. However, you know, I was... I made a commitment, a real commitment. We'll put a pin in that because we're going to come back to the military and how that's very different from... Okay, but yes, there are people... It hasn't been as long in my life, but I still keep in touch with people I was in the military with. Mm-hmm. And that was over 20 years ago, so... And it takes a lot of effort. Especially when they're not near you physically. Well, these days it's a lot easier to be connected and... Or at least try to be connected. With social media, you mean? Yes. So... Because people can't see you point <laughs> on a podcast. Um, yeah, so the, the next question really is, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Sometimes it's a little disappointing. Yeah. I'd like to say that uh, life is different in the last 10 years. And uh, I was in contact with them well over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all have opinions, and, and I like to share opinions with people, but some of the people that I used to keep in touch with don't align with a lot of my normal popular opinions. And I don't, I'm not sure how to stay in touch with them in a way that doesn't, it always travels in a conversation how the world's going right now. That's interesting because I actually didn't have that down as a topic, but let's explore that for a minute because is is it necessary or do you, you know, as you're saying, it sounds like no matter what you start out the conversation with, you're always going to go to that place. It inevitably kind of ends that way and that's when I kind of have to cut it short. But what I'm trying to say is that, yes, I am always going to be friends with you because we were friends and we are friends. So you're still friends with these people, but you're not, you don't feel like you can stay connected with them closely? There are a select few that I have not been able to um, tolerate. Because <laughs> we've had a lot of conversations about people with differences in opinions and how to navigate that and how to reconcile in your own mind that you know this person, you've known this. And this conversation even lends itself more to it. These aren't just people that you met a couple years ago that you've been working with. These are people that you've known deeply in your life, and you know who they are at the core. People I've lived closely with for a long period of time. And yet, there's still this cognitive dissonance of their belief system is not what I value, and how can I reconcile that I know they're a good person and still hold these values? Yes, exactly. And and we're talking about, this is the... I mean, not that it really matters, but this was the early, mid to late 90s. So almost throughout the 90s is when I was active duty in the military. And so mm-hmm. it was a different time. We had a different president. Things were different. Mm-hmm. Issues were different. Yeah. A lot of issues are always have always been the same. But yeah, in, in the most recent years, I keep the conversations a little short. So that you don't go into that conversation? To try to avoid. Mm -hmm. I just want to 
let them know that I still think of them and and friends. Yeah, I think that's nice. Why do you do it? <sighs> Great question. I think that there's hope that, uh, well, hope that the friendship will endure any sort of problem because I don't think the things that I've seen, if if they're unforgivable, then I have, have uh, you know. Written them off. I've written them off, yeah. But uh, <laughs> there's enough there to eventually have a conversation with if we ever cross paths again. I'm willing to talk to anybody about anything. I'm just saying, yeah, the connections are still there. And that, I guess that's what's the most important part is keeping the connection. Mm-hmm. Well, it all comes back to the attachment theory, right? Because we are social people. We need those connections in our lives. We were not evolved to live alone. And plus, I guess that's the way social media works, is you're connected to some other person and another person who knows that person and another person who knows that person. Well, in the utopia of social media, yes, that is yeah. how it would work. <laughs> you're always uh, wondering if maybe um, you're gonna po- someone else is going to pop up and you've completely forgotten about them and we're mm-hmm. wondering how they're doing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, <clears throat> subconsciously forgot or consciously forgot about them. Not subconsciously. Yeah, I got you. I anyway. know what you mean. So, Sorry. Uh, Taking the bone away from the dog so he's not making a bunch of noise. Apologies. Come here. <laughs> Man. So this is when we take that pin and talk about it again. Where I wrote, you can never go back. So moving away and joining the military, or just moving for that matter, can really put a damper on relationships that you've been trying to keep in contact with. And when you come back, you're a different person. You're not the same person. People that stay where they are, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with that, but you've had very different life experiences and you're just not the same when you've gone into the military and come back. At least that's what I found. Did you find the same? Yeah. Everybody uh, experiences <clears throat> it differently for sure. Mm-hmm. You mean the military or move? The military. Yeah. And even the transition out. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, close to... We were like brothers. Uh, this is someone in the military? Yeah, he was in the military with me. We were close. There was a group of five of us that were very close. And then it, it whittled down to you know two or three of us after other people transitioned out. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, when it came down to it, um, employment opportunities arrived where they got out before me. These mm-hmm. two other people got out before me, and mm-hmm. I followed them mm-hmm. to their job because it was a really good job. And uh, it's just the area where the job was wasn't great. <laughs> Paid great. Yeah. But I know that feeling. <laughs> not much to do in that area. Mm hmm. For me at that point in my life and uh we stayed friends man we saw each other probably six days a week mm-hmm. you know and uh i i would be driving to work i'd pick him up we'd we'd go to work i'd drive him home he never had a driver's license he 
chose to never have a driver's license because he knew he was drunk all the time and did not want to ever get a driver's license. Well, good on him, at least, for well, yeah. making yeah. a safe choice. Not and that drinking is a safe choice for himself, but yes. thank you for not endangering the public. Interesting choice for an adult, grown human being to choose not to have a driver's license. Mm-hmm. And um, I respected it, I guess, but there were times where I was like, come on, grow the fuck up. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, we played chess. We were close, close friends. We played more games of chess than I've ever played with anybody in my life. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to play chess that well. <laughs> well, you get to know someone just sitting across from across the chessboard. You get to know somebody. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, um, after the military, and I and I went and lived in the town where we had this job together, and you know we were coexisting. He had a different, you know, we weren't living together, but. We saw each other almost every day, and uh, it got to the point where I was going to move on, and I was like, um, you know, things were rough for all of us, and I feel like I kind of escaped my situation. Mm. I've always had an issue with my drinking, and uh, he has always had an issue with his drinking, and it was deep-rooted along with his family and his mother and who knows else, you know, what else in his family. But, uh, I mean, you have a pretty serious drinking problem if you're willing to give up your license to continue drinking. Right. Never even get a license. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. He, um, didn't like to talk about it. And I, for a while, for a year and a half, I was going to AA meetings and, completely sobered up for a year and a half all seriousness it was because i got a dui but i was all about that life and i would try to talk to him not i wasn't forcing the conversation with him mm-hmm. it was uh every now and then i touched base with him keeping in touch keeping connections mm-hmm. and uh you know ask him if he wanted any assistance or you know this and that whatever i wasn't trying to pressure him yeah i was trying not to it may have felt like i was pressuring him to him but uh it was never he was never receptive and uh we somewhat drifted apart you're in very different places in your life at that point yes and uh i think he was living in california And uh, was asking about me helping him get a job in this area, in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, all I could kind of do was say, here's here's the number you can call and here's the address you can send your resume. Mm -hmm. Here's who you can contact if you want to. Mm -hmm. Because basically it's a big company where I couldn't just go over to people I didn't (laughs) really know and say... I know you're hiring painters. Here's a guy. Yeah. Or maybe I could have, but I don't know how well it would have gone over. And you're taking responsibility for that person's character if you're making a reference. Was that in your mind? That was in my mind, yes. Mm -hmm. And I felt like 
either take this opportunity and come and live in this area mm-hmm. and we can be in touch on a regular basis mm-hmm. or not. And uh, we drifted apart even further from then. And um, now I know he's living in the southeast somewhere and working. And, I, you know, occasional Facebook posts I see that uh, he seems to be doing very well, mm-hmm. which I'm happy about. Good. But I, uh, I feel like I, I have feelings that I abandoned him. I'm trying not to feel that way. I gave him what I thought would be the best information for him to move on and come up here. But uh, he's, I think he married a woman and he's uh, living down there now. And I hope everything's really well. But connection that I tried to keep has become real sparse, like very occasional. Well, it sounds like a connection that he wasn't able to make at that point in his life. I think that's what it was. And uh, I don't fault myself and I don't fault him. It's two people doing different things in their lives. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a whole nother topic, really, is you can go back and listen to the episode I did with Rob, my friend Rob, about transitioning out of the military. But we didn't really talk about the connections that you lose when you're in the military. And that's both leaving for the military the connections that you made in your childhood and your teenage formative years and then coming back and trying to reconnect with those people but also the deep bond that is so difficult to explain to anyone else if you haven't been in that situation and you move to a different duty station or you transition out of the military and you may or may not keep in touch with someone that you were literally willing to risk your life for at one point, and they would do the same for you. Excellent point. So that's a pretty deep divide I mean, in the differences. Just like anything in life, you're like, hey, we'll be in touch. But then there's the people you were really close with who are like, we'll be in touch. And then eventually, you're not in touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a little bit of guilt. Yeah. It's in there. Yeah, I I totally get it. I mean, there's people that I actually can't remember their names that were people that I talk to every single day. Yeah. You know, and then and yet I remember people's names that I went to elementary school with, you know, there are unforgettables and there are forgettables. I mean, just like in hospice, I give all of my patients the same exact care, but there are certain ones that will always stay with you no matter what, even if it was you only met them one time. So here is where we took a 30-minute jaunt down military memory lane. Uh, We talk about movies, there's a lot of joking and laughter, definitely a lot of cuss words, and a very inappropriate joke. So be prepared. If If you're not wanting to hear any of this, fast forward about 30 minutes. So when you're talking about going into the military, you're leaving your family, and both of us, have family in this local area yeah uh and had a lot of family actually pretty large family a lot of cousins Mm -hmm. and um a lot of friends close friends all connected with all of that and even uh when i was younger i joined the boy scouts and so the 
what I kind of considered a family of friends or friends and family mm-hmm. were exponentially huge. There was a lot of families and friends involved in my life. And uh, then when I, uh, I moved away to the Marine Corps, away from everybody that mm-hmm. I had always been in contact with, that said they were going to keep in contact with you. <laughs> well, we all said the same thing, you know. <laughs> all right, I'll write your letters, you know. Yeah. Um, that's when I realized contact was few and far between. And um, just kind of naturally, as I went through the Marine Corps, through the years, I was developing a family there. Kind of like a, I had uncle, father, you know, friends, brother, figures. Mentor. Mentor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you went, there was another person. Aunt, uncle. <laughs> As the longer I spent in the military, there were younger people coming in. And I was maybe an uncle or an older brother or a father even to some even younger guys. Mm-hmm. And it started to dawn on me that I kind of had my own family there. And uh, see a lot of them come and go, just like you would see in a family atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, there were people... That's another part of keeping in touch with with people in the military is after you've spent... I mean, some people spent 20 years in... I, I spent eight measly years in the Marine Corps, and there are people that I knew that I thought maybe knew other people. And when I, when I say, ah, oh, you remember so-and-so? They're like... No, I never remember. I don't ever heard it, you know. Yeah. It's it's a constant cycle of people coming in and out and in and out and in and out. Yeah. And uh, it's still as much turnover as there was. There was still a family feeling in the squadron that I was in. I was working in maintaining airplanes. If anyone's listening to this or happens upon this, Maybe you'd like to say what squadron you were in, and they could be in contact with you. Uh, I was in VMFA AW-225. It's a lot of letters. It was a Marine fighter attack. It was an all-weather fighter attack squadron. Uh, F-18s, two-seaters. And what? where was this stationed out of? Well, we started out in El Toro. and uh, Is that Texas? El Toro is in California. Oh. Right near... Uh, I mean, it sounds like a Texas name. It's outside of Laguna Hills. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there in uh, near Tustin, El Toro, <laughs> California. And uh, that base closed down, and we moved down to Miramar and took over... We literally Wait! Took, Miramar! Yes, the Marines took over the Navy base. NAS Miramar became MCAS Miramar. I feel the need. <laughs> The need for speed. <laughs> I actually worked in the hangar that said Fighter Town USA across the top of it. <laughs> as far as I know, it's still there. I mean, I know you don't like it now because there were so many flaws compared to the real Navy and Marines, but come on! That had to be awesome. <laughs> it felt pretty cool. I mean... It's when... a lot better than okay. Firebirds, which is a shit movie with Nick Cage and Apaches. Don't ever watch that. All right. It's terrible. Do you want to know even cooler than that is when I got there, Top Gun was still working. What? Because it was a Navy base oh, that we were. Not tr- the movie, the actual Top Gun. The actual Top Gun. Yeah. Where we, are they now? They're not still there? They moved to Fallon, Nevada, which is where I ended up working after I got out of the Marine Corps. Well, that's a travesty that they're not still there. Well. No. 
No, right. you don't have a movie called Top Gun and then move Top Gun. <laughs> Not cool. Well, someone needs to be flying rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong for that. <laughs> you're welcome. Hallie, your your ego is writing checks. Your body can't cash it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All of this is staying in. All of it. <laughs> I could watch that movie every week. God damn it, Maverick. Forever. <laughs> no matter how terrible Tom Cruise is. <sighs> so great. Yeah. I'm going to slam on the brakes. The brakes, he'll fly right by. I'll slam on the brakes. He'll fly right by. I can take the shot right here. Yeah. Uh, I missed him. I missed him. He's on my six. He's on my six. They're going to say everything twice in the entire movie. <laughs> I don't see him. I don't see him. <coughs> you got him. You got him. Oh, Go God. to guns. Go to guns. <sighs> this is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. <laughs> God, Come yes. on, don't make me say negative Ghost Rider. <laughs> the pattern is full. Uh, I hope someday I run into Tom Skerritt, who allegedly lives in Western Washington. <sighs> Tom Skerritt <sighs> looks like like he's on death's door. I don't care. He's amazing. Probably still has that mustache, doesn't he? I hope he does. Flat top. I hope he does. I don't think he does. I think his hair grew out, but that's okay. I flew with your old man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Skerritt. Girlhood crush, Tom Skerritt. Even what though he's older. What's his name? Jester. No. Michael Ironside? Yeah, Michael eh, Ironside. No. Yeah, you suck. Nah. At least I didn't say slider. You stink. <laughs> slider? You stink. <laughs> all right, all right. Back to the real story. Yes. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that uh, the Top Gun is the best Navy movie ever made. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. <sighs> <sighs> so many flaws in the movie. So many flaws. It's so terrible, but it's so great. Uh, uh, it's so great. You're dangerous. Ice man. <laughs> I can't breathe anymore. Stop, Stop uh, making me laugh. Uh, okay. Back to serious. <clears throat> this is a serious podcast for serious people. Yeah. Um, <sighs> connections. I said goodbye to a lot of people. A lot of people, I don't remember their names. But I knew them well enough that I felt like I needed to say goodbye to them. Yeah. And we don't keep in touch. Occasionally on Facebook, I'll, because I am a member of the squadron mm. group. You know, that's what I was wondering when you were talking about when you joined up and when I joined up and we always said, yeah, yeah, we'll keep in touch. I wonder how it is for recruits now that actually have social media um, and they're able to connect with people in real time. On social media. So when they move away, they can keep those connections. Whereas when you and I were in, social media didn't exist. Hell, I barely had a Hotmail account. <clears throat> oh my God, dude. People try to keep in touch with their drill instructors. 
I probably would have. Oh. Joe Sergeant Stillwell, oh shout out. Oh my god, no way. And also Joe Sergeant Ballard. No way. Awesome. No way ever. Loved them. Never. Not an iceberg's chance in hell would ever contact any of my drones. <laughs> if I could remember their first names, I would totally look them up on Facebook. Jesus Christ, they were so evil. They were great. I loved my drill sergeants for the most part. I mean, they were hard on us, but it was the Army. Doesn't sound <clears throat> like it. It wasn't like the Air Force, but uh, if you weren't fucking up, then it wasn't too bad. I don't know. That's terrible. Plus, I was younger and in a lot better shape. I couldn't go through it now. Forget it. No, but I mean... You didn't like any of your drill instructors at all? Did I they mean, push you with a hat? They were like admirable. Like Gunny and uh, like Arlie Ermey? Yeah, I saw it happen. <clears throat> oh, man. I saw a guy get punched in the gut. What? Yeah. That's not the kind of connection you want to keep. Well, that's what I'm saying. Our drill instructors did not punch us in the gut. They kind of did push me off the rappel tower, but I was hooked up. Yeah. Not pleasant, not nice in any way. None of them. There was moment, one moment where Gomez made us laugh, and he didn't scream at us for laughing, because as soon as we all started laughing, he realized how funny what he said was. Do you remember what he actually said, or you just remember the laughing? <laughs> it's not appropriate for... I can mark this explicit if <laughs> okay. you want to share. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Anyone who's ever fired an AR-15 or an M-16, if it has a sling... Appropriately and in the military and for good purpose. Okay. So the sling has parts to it. There is the strap, there is the slip ring, and there is the J-hook. Sure. And I think... Now I think the slippering and the J hook and the strap. Yeah, that's it. Well, we were. And I guess there's a buckle in the middle to adjust. Like, if you're being technical. Yeah, the buckle sling. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So we were getting down to the end of our three month boot camp, and we were getting ready to turn in our rifles, which means. Every day we were getting up and cleaning, cleaning our rifles. We weren't even going to fire them again. We had you already fired all them. all I want to say is this is my rifle. This is my gun. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me. Believe me. Ugh, don't get me started. But we had been cleaning our rifles twice a day, like for a week, getting them ready to turn in. Mm -hmm. Never going to fire them again, but still every day cleaning for two weeks. And, uh... There was one guy, uh, the scribe, was in charge in the beginning of the cleaning to collect all of the slings, slip rings, and the J-hooks, and the, whatever you mentioned earlier. The, buckle? The buckle. I don't remember taking our slings off of our We weapons. took everything apart, everything, and okay. cleaned every bit of them, so that when we took them back to the armory, they would be like, immaculate. Mm-hmm. Don't even need to look at them. They look at three of them and go, perfection, and just turn them in. Because okay. that's how well we were doing this. Yeah. Anyway, when it came down to getting ready to turn them in, our our platoon had lost two slip rings and a J-hook. And uh, Sergeant Gomez was a 
angry person to begin with. But he realized at the moment that we were getting ready. I think we were getting ready to go to dinner at the time. But he just got the news that we were short two slip rings and a J-hook before he was going to turn the rifles in tomorrow, you know. Or we were all going to march over there and return them. Anyway, so he's a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and the guys that work in the Armory, they've been in the Marine Corps for a while. Mm-hmm. Lance Corporals, privates. <coughs> they have their job. E- E1, E3, you know, E2. They're over there. Well, if they're E1s or E2s, they've been in for a little while. E1's a private. E2's a PFC. E3 is a Lance Corporal. Right, but they haven't been in that long if, they've, if they're only E1s right. or E2s. Right, but they've graduated boot camp. Okay. They understand what it's like to be in the real Marine Corps and... <laughs> and the drill instructors don't have any sway over what they do because they already have their job. Right. They're already right. in. I got you. They're the not in training. Right. Training mode is for anyone that has not been in any type of military. Training is not the same as the real military. Right. Once you've graduated, you're a real marine. <laughs> that is in the. That's a different right. world. You are nothing but a recruit in the Marine Corps. You're never. You're not a Marine until you've graduated. Yeah. So you earn your eagle, globe, and anchor. Is it like uh, an officer and a gentleman? It's not like that. <laughs> it's like you're nothing but dirt <laughs> until the day you march. I ain't got nowhere else to go. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> anyway, we haven't even graduated yet. And we're getting ready to turn on our rifles. And Gomez finds out that we're short. Two slip rings and a J-hook. And he is ranting, pacing, and we're all standing at attention. While he's pissed, like level five, hot lava coming out of his fucking <laughs> Up head. Up to 11. And uh, he's like, do you understand what this fucking means? <laughs> and I almost quote him exactly when he says, now I gotta go over there to the armory, I gotta suck some Lance Corporal's dick, and I gotta let him come all over my face over two slip rings and a J-hook. <laughs> and we're all standing at attention and not not one of us was able to contain themselves we all started laughing and as angry as he was he was still panting after he started hearing us laugh he turned around with his fucking angry drill sticker finger and shook his head and, and actually <laughs> smiled and allowed us to laugh for the first time in three months. <clears throat> he just let us laugh. Uh, Did you find like, the J-hook? No, fuck no. We didn't find this shit. He still had to go over there and fucking <sighs> suck up some Lance Corporal and look, sorry, don't know what, you know, whatever he had to say to this Lance Corporal. But he knew he was in a tight spot. I mean, it's just a J-hook. It's not like you lost a It's his responsibility, thing. but he had been perfect up to that, you know. <laughs> oh, I see. He had had... Se- his record. Right, exactly. Was tarnished. I yes. see. This is a personal We spike. were the first ones to let him down. Maybe he just said that. You know how drill instructors like the uh, F, F of people. See, okay, here, here's the... Th- oh, Jesus Christ. We're going <laughs> to turn this into an hour. This is a therapy session. Okay. Okay, in boot camp... <sighs> We were the mis. We were eleven twenty one. We were kind of the misfits. Okay. We kept fucking up, constantly fucking up. 
and uh, there were competitions. There were there were a series of three platoons in our barracks. We were on the bottom floor, second floor, third floor. So this was our first battalion, Alpha Company. Everything we did, we all pretty much did in sequence. But they had to they had to arrange it. They were they were time management. That's all it was with drill instructors is manage time. We all three need to do this shit, so let's get all 80 of these fucking people to do them in a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. And But it was always a competition. He always let us know. <laughs> well, came in second. Again, you know. <laughs> or last place. Good job, you guys. <laughs> you know. Second and third place throughout all of fucking boot camp. But when it came to final drill, which was graded by <clears throat> type A perfectionists, final drill, marching, doing exactly, staying covered and aligned and marching with in command perfectly, we aced it. We fucked them all up. And he... <laughs> he almost... He almost broke down in tears. <laughs> Because you, you won? He's like, I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we won. First place in the only, the only one that mattered to him. <laughs> Gomez. <clears throat> Fucking Gomez. Shout out to Gomez. Ugh, pockmarked. Like, he had terrible... See, you need to find Gomez. When he was young, he must have had horrible acne because it was just all just... Do you remember his first name? No. I don't even know his first name. Never even looked it up. Oh, man, that'd be tough to find. You could find him, though. God, it was like... I could even do it. it was like, you understand me? You know, understand me? He would, he would say something, and at the end of the sentence, he would always say, you understand me? You understand me? <laughs> yeah. Pablo, I hear you. We're going to go over, we're going to run a PFT, we're going to get fucking 2080, and, you know... Oh, Jesus, I can't 2080? 20 pull-ups, 80 sit-ups. Ugh. Understand me? I forgot you had to do pull-ups. That's understand. stupid. So you understand? Understand me? Understand? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it always have to be, yes, sir! Right after he fucking said understand. Don't understand me. He was a hard ass. Was it like Full Metal Jacket? No, that, <clears throat> that guy was an original. Choke yourself! He was an original son of a bitch. Gomez? No, no. Oh. Early Ernie. Early Ernie, yeah. He was a real drill instructor, right? Yes, he was. He probably really was like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know the real story, but it was something to the effect of he was a consultant to the director mm. because he of knew his he reputation. Was, and finally, <clears throat> he had him just like say some of the stuff. Arlie Ermy must be in the room because the lights just flickered. <laughs> that was weird. R.I.P. Arlie Ermy. But yeah, Arlie Ermy was then. All right, you got the role. And, uh, yeah, he nailed it. Because all he had had to do is what he'd done for several months. I don't know how long it is. I I think think it might be a year. I think it's a year. Might be a year and a half for Marines, but. I don't know. They got to go to. They got to basically. They have to go to drill instructor school. Which is basically boot camp again. Which, but worse. Because you have to be able to not only do the things you're being told, but instruct the things you're being told. Do you know what's crazy is I actually considered being a drill instructor. Insane. 
when I was in boot camp. And it wasn't until I got to the real army, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. God, it's just like, <clears throat> you have to realize there are complete fucking idiots in the world. And you got to get them to try to understand, when I say left, that means your left foot hits the ground. Because there are some people who don't get it. Well, you have to remember where people are coming from. This is the social work side of me now, coming out. But... Because you don't know where people are coming from. They could be from the backcountry and never well, exactly. Have... I came from the Pacific Northwest. We're surrounded by water, basically. And I got to boot camp and I realized there are people who don't know how to swim. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I, speaking of things I can't believe in the military. Guy couldn't make the bed. Guy couldn't make his own bed. I knew a female Ooh. that didn't know about feminine hygiene. Without being disgusting. Menstruation? Yeah. Period? None of it? No. Talk about traumatizing. Well, that's almost To tragic. come into an environment that is that harsh and have to learn about it that way. And I'm not going to get into the details, but... Single father raised her? <clears throat> I don't know what her story was. I wasn't that closer. She was on days and I was on nights, so I didn't know her. I just saw days the aftermath. Nights. Not in boot camp. It was in... Uh, at, she made it through AIT. boot camp without knowing it? Yeah. Oh, my God. She was able to hide it, I guess. Because we weren't in boot camp together. We were in uh, A school together. See, that's the part about the Marines is... they well, You do it all in one, don't you? What's or no? that? All of your training? Or do you go to We separate? go directly from boot camp to... Uh, <clears throat> well, this is how it used to go. Directly from boot camp to... Uh, MCT, which is Marine Combat Training, which is basically, you're going to be a grunt no matter what MOS we just told you you're going to be. Here, you're going to become a soldier. And we spent three months in MCT and then, or was it a month? Maybe it was a month. So it was just infantry skills. The full month of <coughs> humping. Humping with heavy packs, climbing up mountains. We launched, we shot a Mark 19. We fired a 50 cal. Pistol, probably. Climbed Mount Motherfucker. <laughs> Have you heard of Mount Motherfucker? You've told me about it. Yeah. It was hell. But we were allowed to have a somewhat social life after we were done doing that. It was different than boot camp, but it was harder than boot camp. Isn't it funny to think about the connections you made and you thought they'd be lifelong and you don't even have... You don't even remember most of their names? I remember Fletcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fletch. Fletcher was uh, right there with me in boot camp and MCT. And then uh, I knew he was from this area. And I swear to God, I bumped into him at a bar in Bellevue. And we had a chat, but he just seemed weirded out by the whole thing. Hmm. I really feel like you need to find Gomez. Because oh, I want to know if he remembers that story. Two slip rings and a joke. <laughs> How great would it be if you find him... 20-something years later, and you say, I'm still telling this story. If you find him, we're going to follow up on the You know what, podcast. though? If he says that he told that to every single <laughs> fucking platoon, then I would just... Oh, then you wouldn't want to know? Yeah, That's true. Know. That's fair. You probably don't want to ruin the fantasy if it was just you guys. God damn it, though. It was like we were so in fear. He was ranting, screaming, red-faced, angry <laughs> over two slip rings and a J-hook. It made quite the impression. And it was just, uh, I'll never forget it. <laughs> never. 
if if it was rehearsed and he had, yeah, that would ruin it. You gotta get a tattoo that says two slip rings yeah, and a J-hook. No, no. <laughs> Connections in the military. Like nothing else. That one guy that they, yeah, there was so many games they played. There was so much downtime that they just played games. Hurry oh, up and the wait. Drill, drill instructors? Yeah. Who's your skinniest guy? Bring your skinniest guy over here. And then a drone circuit will walk away and come back. What do you think this guy weighs? You know? 102. You know? And then they'd, uh, like, go like this. And he'd have him stand up, grab his crotch, and go. <laughs> he was some kind of badass. Like, he was a gangster. The 102-pound person? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was funnier if you're in the moment. Yeah. They made two guys pretend like they were racing each other on motorcycles. <laughs> what? He goes, we were waiting to get our uh, dress uniforms. Big line, long line, and it was not moving. And uh, everybody was getting remeasured. And so, get over here. I don't know who it was, but we're like, get over here. He goes, you ride Harleys, right? You told me you rode Harleys. He's like, all right, pretend you're on a Harley. And he goes, he squats down. He's like, this is... <laughs> No, no, I want you riding the ape hanger. <laughs> like this. So his arms are way up in the air and he's squatting down. He goes, now make the sound like you're on a Harley. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. All right. Don't stop. Make that sound. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Got some other guy to come stand next to him. He goes, you were like a Kawasaki, like a ninja, right? <laughs> Whatever the fuck it was. All right, act like you're riding it. He's hunched over. He goes, now make the sound. He goes, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so they're both like, blah, 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 blah. The other guy's like, wah, wah, wah. Everybody is watching. <laughs> he takes about five paces away, turns around, and he goes, on your marks. <laughs> Gets it. Go. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they both like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> They were racing each other. He's winning. Hurry up. <laughs> So there were some good memories. That was full-on entertainment, but just making a fool out of these two guys. I mean, maybe they had fun. I don't know, but I'll never forget shit like that. Like, who even would have thought about that? It needs to be your life mission to find Gomez. There was some other horrible stuff. Like, there's one guy, he he was kind of cross-eyed, and he had really, really, I mean, thick. And, of course, in boot camp, you're wearing the birth control glasses. I'm surprised they let him in. If he had that bad of... I can't remember his name. Start with a B. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was just like, who's the ugliest fucking guy you got? Oh. And then they... Whatever his name was. B. Bolt, Bolton Burke. Whatever the fuck it was. Get over here! And they put them both, like, facing him. Like, Jesus. You know, just stood there for, like, five minutes. Just like, look at him. That's awful. Yeah. See, those are the kind of guys that go on to be Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. You sure so, I mean, one of them wasn't? There were fun times and there was just like shit like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like they have the power. Yeah. There was my senior drill instructor. It was a Sunday afternoon, church day, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody's either cleaning, doing their laundry, or going to church or whatever. Quiet, quiet day. But once everybody was back from that and it was like late afternoon, he says, uh, Everybody get in line. And so we all sit at attention. He goes, Follow me. First line. And then second line, follow first line. And they all, we all followed him single file out to the parking lot. 
he had bought a brand new BMW. And uh, he opened up the doors and he says, I want you all to look at my car. Tell me how nice it is. And so each one of us was like, nice car, sir. <laughs> so 80 people had to line up and go, nice car, sir. Oh, my goodness. Every time you say church day, when you tell me a story about this, I always think of when they would march us to church because everyone went to church because if you didn't go to church, you had to clean the barracks, like buffing the floors and stuff. Yeah. So we we marched to church, and when we would march to church, they would always sing us the worst cadence songs, like <sighs> go to the grocery where all the mommies shop, you pull out your machete, and you begin to chop. Blood, blood, blood makes the green grass grow. <laughs> I mean, this is the worst. And people, I mean... <laughs> You're on your way to church. I don't know what this says to me, but <laughs> I thought it was funny. People were just appalled that we were uh, getting looks, singing that as as we're marching to church. That's what I'll remember when you say church. Yeah, terrible. We, um, speaking of cadence calls, there was one. I can't say unforgettable because I've forgotten exactly how it goes, but it was. It was so incredible. It was great. And I wish I could... I just remember bits and pieces of it. It was... Um, it was so perfect. I wish I could... I, I should probably Google it and see if I can look it up. But it's about a Marine being born. And he says he, like, liberates himself from the womb. And then he repels on his umbilical cord. <laughs> you know? It's like the whole thing was so great. But he has K-bar in his teeth when he's repelling. You know, he's already born a Marine. And, uh, yeah, it was so funny. But, yeah, we did all the terrible ones, too. The, the S&M Man. I didn't hear this one. <clears throat> the S&M Man. Yeah. I probably don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, well, That's after that 30-minute jaunt down memory lane. Way too far. Military memories. We'll uh, get back to the subject matter at hand, which is connections. You're going to cut all that out. No way. And now back to the original story. So there are going to be those connections in life, whether it's by fate, if you believe in that kind of thing, or just random chance that you happen to run into someone that you're always going to be connected with them, even if you're not physically connected with them. You know, uh, my very best friend Katie is a great example of that. We met under (laughs) very unusual circumstances due to her completely idiotic and asshole boyfriend at the time when we were 18 and working at a department store. And her boyfriend was hitting on me, and I didn't I knew who she was, but I didn't really know her. And I walked up to her in the store and I said, Hey, your boyfriend's hitting on me, <laughs> by the way. And we became best friends in that moment, you know, and... Even though I went off to the military and she's, you know, she got married. She shit canned him, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. That's a whole other podcast that <laughs> probably won't ever happen because nobody she needs to know. stay with him for a little while. Not very much longer than that, no. Right. I think they were living together at the time. But um, <clears throat> that ended fairly quickly. And yeah, the rest of those details will stay okay. <laughs> out of a podcast. But. Sounds good. Um, so, you know, when I was gone in the military, she got married 
and had some kids, you know. I came back just in time to see the third one born. Not, no, I didn't actually see him be born because gross. But <laughs> I was here <laughs> oh, okay. when she went to it's the a hospital. It's a miracle. What do you mean gross? Yeah, no. Um, that's okay. For everyone else, it's a miracle. <laughs> and love you, Andy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we stay in contact. Now, through the military change and through going to college and meeting new people and getting a different job and having a different schedule we haven't maintained as close of a that's not right let me let me reverse myself our relationship is just as close as as it always was we're just not physically in contact as much as we used to be we each have different friends that we're close to or stay in contact with more regularly but on any given moment if either one of us was to call we know we're we're sisters a month could pass, and it would be like it was yesterday. A year could pass, and it was like it was yesterday. Right. We're bonded for life. We are sisters. I feel that same connection <coughs> with the guy I was talking about. Yeah. So there's nothing that could ever happen, or nothing that either one of us could ever say, I don't think, now that we've known each other for over 20 years. I can't imagine that there's any differences of opinion that we would have that would ever break that bond. Because neither one of us would do something terrible that would break the trust that we have with one another. And that kind of bond isn't as common. You know, we have a lot of tertiary bonds with people where there are co-workers and, yeah, we might help them out with a move or maybe we're friendly with them at work. Had lots of those at the That's old job. That's what's funny about work is there are people who... I have no idea what's going on in their personal life, but I talk to them on a regular basis mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And we don't discuss our personal lives, but we, we <laughs> what joke do you talk around. About? We joke. Yeah. Like this guy, Brian, like, yeah, it's so good to see you here today. I'm so glad you came in. Thank you. Do you mean it? Or are you just no, messing yeah, with each other? We're, we're messing with each other, but he's But like, on some level, you like, mean it. I only came because I knew you'd be here. Is it, <laughs> you know? is it Rockstar Brian? The QC? I don't know. Is that Rockstar Brian? Well, we'll talk about it after this. <laughs> I hope it is because he's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still people that I talk to at my old job, but there was a lot of people that I talked to on a daily basis. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. But <laughs> yeah, if it okay. is Rockstar Brian, <laughs> then this is the guy that I walked in. He was sitting in the office and I said, here's what it's life. Well, here's what it's like. For life at Big Bride's house. <laughs> Son? Yeah, Dad. <laughs> and this is in front of everybody else. <laughs> How would you like to go fishing? <laughs> Great, Dad. Oh, God. <laughs> and how did he respond to this? I don't think he caught on right away. And was oh, like, that's heartbreaking. Oh, but I have homework. That's all right. You can do it. On, on the, the boat. boat. <laughs> anyway. All right. For people that don't understand that reference, Other first of all, I'm that. sorry for you. <laughs> Second of all, you need to immediately shut this podcast off and go watch The Breakfast Club. <laughs> From anyway, the 80s. Big Bry's house. <laughs> so I think it maybe is Rockstar Brian. I hope it's Rockstar Brian. He's right. great. 
Moving on. Moving, and, you know, look, I have fond affections, just as we're talking about. I have wonderful memories of Rockstar Brian, but we don't keep in touch. That was no one that I ever right. would have talked to outside of work. He's got a last name that you could pronounce probably five ways wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think that's him. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, there's lots of people that you have relationships with at work that you feel like you would be close with, but you don't necessarily go out with them outside of work. And so right. that's an interesting dynamic, too, is you want you want to keep those relationships those and connections. Those are the memorable connections at work, but they're not... They're they not, make work, work tolerable. You know what? And I guess those are part of your heart. Like, I don't know, heart. Like, things you cling to when you have memories of work are mm-hmm. people that you enjoy time with at work. Sure. I mean, there was even people... I remember in the military and just out of the military when I was working as a contractor that (laughs) are people that I actually didn't really like, but those memories are going to stay with me forever. Yeah. There was an example in the military and I can't even remember his first name. I feel like his last name was Barnett. Oh, I've known some Barnetts. (laughs) And him and I would go rounds. I mean, like, I physically went after him at some point because he said I was pear-shaped. And this is when I was much smaller <laughs> and fit. And we were out in the field, and he and they had to grab me and hold me back. I mean, this is someone that I was going to fight. You were going for the throat. Yeah. But in that same year, I got a spider bite, and I had to go to the hospital and stay overnight. And who was the only person that came physically down to the hospital. Asshole Barnett. Barnett. Asshole Barnett. He wasn't an asshole. (laughs) It was all in good fun, but we did really, I mean, it was like brother and sister, that bond. Fighting brother and sister. But that memory will always stick with me. He will always stick with me. Never forget. I won't probably ever talk to him again, but that connection is going to stay with me. And so it's important to remember... I think past connections and how they affect our future connections, but also determining is it worth staying connected to the people that we've stayed connected to throughout the years. That's the hard part, I think, is uh, whittling through the stick where all your friends are in the stick and you're just like shaving off pieces to make this perfect little stick of friendship. But what do you do with the shavings? Do you burn them or do you well, if there's a real, keep them? <laughs> real interesting shaving. I suppose you put that one on the, on on the, the mantle. mantle. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, what, what would be your advice? How would you determine whether a connection is worth the effort? Because it's always going to be an effort, even if it's someone that's right next door to you. It's pretty easy to sit and think about the past and think about the things you really miss and loved and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. The happy times. Yeah. You cling to the happy times, and that's what you want to do. You want to, you want to. I think, happy memory, cherish that connection if you can. Don't force it, but try. Make an effort. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I've had some bad connections, and I don't ever want to revisit them. <laughs> I've had some bad connections, and I'm renewing a civility. Yeah, and even great connections that turn bad and I'm trying to maintain civility 
So That's a great point is to remember that just because a connection went bad or had a bad time doesn't mean it wasn't important at one point in your life and holding on to that hate is not going to do anything but be destructive to you. That connection meant something to you at one point or another. There is happiness there. I don't have any resentment or hate towards my ex-husband. I hope that he's happy. I'm not in contact with him. Thankfully, we didn't have any children together. And I haven't heard from him since I moved from Tennessee. But I don't, you know, the, the ending was not great. But I don't have any animosity towards him. And I can remember a time when there was love. And that was not something that I would wish to forget. It was a part of my life. It's not a part now, and that's okay. You know? There was temporary anger. Sure. More so towards his mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being honest, I still hate that bitch. Right. But that's there... something I need to work out on my own. <laughs> right. There are gold mines, and there are, you find a nugget. Yeah. People so, in your life for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I would like to, I don't know, this makes me think of making a list of people that I would like to just reach out to, just say hello. Not to, not to start a conversation, just wanted to say hi kind of people, you know. So. Yeah, I try to do that every once in a while. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sitting over here talking about it and I don't do it out all the time. Probably one time every month or two, I think about who haven't I contacted in a while and who do I need to keep in contact with there are people that i was in school with or in the marine corps with that uh are doing amazing things and i feel like i can't bother them with saying hello but at the same time i think those are the people i should just say hello to yeah they're so what if they're doing amazing things you have a connection with them and you're not reaching out to them to profit from it i'm trying to bother you just want to say hi don't even say that. Yes, you don't know that it's a bother. That's a projection. That's a whole other podcast. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's, I guess, what I'm saying right now. It's like, I'm not trying to bother them. I'm yeah. just going to say, hey, I just want to say hi. Yeah, exactly. Hey, something made me think about you today. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing weak about that. There's nothing soft about that. It's maintaining connections. You're, you're being healthy. You're honoring that connection and respecting it. So if you guys have any feedback about this podcast and episode, I'd love to hear it. You can email us at contact at willallbedeadpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at slash someday will all be dead. You can find us at twi- on Twitter at someday_dead_pc. And if you would be so kind to rate, review, and subscribe so other people can follow us, that would be amazing. We'd be very thankful. And kind of final thoughts on this is this week... Think about who is important in your life and you're not in contact with anymore. Maybe pick two people and reach out. Just let them know you're thinking about them because they're important to you. And, you know, they might not be around. Life is, uh, life's crazy. Kind of like Ferris Bueller says at the end. is uh, yeah, For some people, life is short. Yeah, life can be very short, you know. Hospice may very well have an effect on how I see things in the world. But... It also makes me happy and and it makes me enjoy the connections that I have. And it also makes me want to honor the connections that I've had in my life. So reach out. Connect with someone. 
you might as well because someday we'll all be dead.